This episode is brought to you by freedadcourse.com. You are always one conversation away from changing your life, and the power of hello is something that I subscribe to every single day, and I'm always saying hello to new people everywhere I go. Increasing your opportunity, increasing your connection, and getting access to the solutions to the problems that you are facing, whether you're on active duty or just beginning your veteran transition or even transitioning out for 20 years. On the other side of hello are the solutions that you're looking for. Again, head on over to freedadcourse.com. Get your five-episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design. 100% support your wife. It is one thing to be a father. Your wife does not need a part-time dad. They need a full-time committed father. And that is what every military father needs to understand is that, yes, you have a career. You also have a responsibility to raising your child and your wife needs a break. You might be on the front lines, but they're behind you taking care of everything and you need to support them. Dory 1, this is Fireteam Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Welcome back to Military Veteran Dad, episode 86. In today's episode, we talk with U.S. Army soldier Ian Icobello. He is a new dad with an 11-month son. This episode talks about a lot of things, and it wouldn't be a dad podcast if we didn't talk about fatherhood. And Ian opens right out of the gate with a commitment to be a stay-at-home dad when he retires from the military in 10 years. Guys, if you don't get excited about being a better father after listening to this episode, I don't know what will, because I was excited to be a better father. Ian just has this passion for fatherhood that is so rare in today's society, and he knew from very early on from having a good dad in his life. And as the title suggests, his dad passed away when he was 13 years old, and how that changed his life, but then also prepared him for when he was a father himself. So without further ado, let's get started with Ian. Welcome to the podcast, Ian. Hey, thank you, Ben. Thank you for having me. You were kind of coached slash pushed into this podcast interview by your wife, who runs Strengths for Spouses, part of a military spouse program. So I appreciate you starving your fear and coming on the podcast. Go ahead and tell us a bit about yourself, your family, and your current military service that you're doing right now. My name is Ian. Um, I'm in the U.S. Army, currently a staff sergeant, about to be a drill sergeant upcoming weeks. And I've been in 10 years, you know, 10 more to go until I retire and I can't wait to, you know, do that so I can be the stay-at-home dad and then my wife can go back to work. How many kids do you have? I have one, 11 months. I'm kind of a new dad on this journey, but loving it so far. Pretty early on to commit to be a stay-at-home dad. Um, uh, you know what? I'm ready for it. <laughs> You're ready for it. So let's dive into that question. Cause I'm a fellow stay at home, dad, drink the Kool-Aid kind of guy. So what awesome. about already at 11 months has you fiending to be a stay at home dad on the other side of your military service? I just want to be that cool dad that, you know, where all his friends come over and they're like, wow, look at your dad. He's all tatted up and he's cool. He's ex military and we can go play Nerf army in the backyard or something. I found some of the similar things during COVID. So a lot of the neighbor kids are around and I'll like, they'll be coming over or like sometimes I'm on a bike ride and I'll ask the neighbor kids to come. Like I've had like 10 kids with me on a bike ride before. In many cases, it's just the dad that doesn't have a job right now. So he's a stay-at-home dad, but it's my goal to be a stay-at-home dad. So they're not very far off from where I want to be. And just going out there and being that cool dad that's out there that gets to do different things. It doesn't have all the responsibility and gets to use his crazy imagination to come up with fun things to do with the kids. Cause often sometimes they need a little bit of dad influence to X their 10 X their, what they're ever designing in their life or a fort type stuff. Absolutely. Like I honestly can't wait for that. I can't wait to be, you know, when he starts doing sports that I can be, you know, that the coach or, you know, the assistant coach to whatever he's doing. Yeah. Right. 10, 10 years. That's like perfect sports time frame to the time that, it really is. And like 
my dad was always the same way. You know, he, he was the coach of my soccer team, baseball team, basketball team, you know, anything that we did, you know, he was the coach and I kind of want to do the same thing. Like, you know, and being a, a stay at home dad like that after doing, you know, my 20 plus years, I kind of feel like we deserve that. It's interesting that you had that perspective. So right off the bat, because, and I commend you for it because it's, it's the rarity because I believe most military men go with the mindset that we serve 20 and then it's up to us to redesign our life on the other side with being the provider still. But I've really kind of leaned into this idea the last six months that like, let your wife step into like flip roles. Like she's bore a big, huge burden the entire 20 years to keep everything going. Like let her be free as a bird and go do things and travel if she needs to have a corporate job and doing different things like switch the roles and like step back in. And I like to treat the time with kids as kind of like a credit card that you borrow a lot of time as a military dad, especially if you're doing 20, like just put it on pause and just paid it back with interest and just double down on being a good dad for those next years before they move out and you only get one chance to be a dad. And lots of times at that 20 year mark, you're at the, they're either just getting ready to not care about hanging out with you, or maybe it's already too late, but those are your last chances really to, to really step into it. Otherwise you're going to wake up one day and like, man, they're 18. Where did all that go? Yeah, exactly. And you know, you know, my wife, she wants to work, you know, so I, I have no problem with letting her just, Hey, you know what? You take over the main role for a while and, pay the bills and everything. And she supported me so much. And, you know, I think it's, I think she deserves that as well for, you know, the roles to reverse and, you know, I support her and, you know, I stay home and take care of the family while she goes and earns that paycheck while I live off my retirement, you know? So. And I attended a conference in February before the Wilbin crazy called dad 2.0. And it's essentially a bunch of dad influencers or dadpreneurs. And a lot of them, I realized I didn't never had connected this idea. So I wanted to be a stay at home dad, but I never really Googled or searched on Facebook for stay at home dads. And it turns out there's massive Facebook groups. There's a group called national at home dad network. They have an at home dad con every year in October. Like there's an entire world of people out there that love and do exactly but like, when you tell people that you want to be a stay-at-home dad, you generally you get a lot. I get a lot of looks at least. Like what? I couldn't do that. I could never be home with my kids. Like I hear stat or stories with dads that like I had to be home with my kids for an entire day, and I'm like, yeah, okay. I mean, like that's yeah, that's fun. I did it yesterday, and it was a blast. Yeah, like, no, I think I think that's just kind of a the transition from, you know, how it used to be into what it is now, you know, like 50 years ago, you know, fathers weren't even allowed into the delivery room, you know, they, mm -hmm. the, the wife gave birth and the father smoked cigars or whatever in the other room and didn't even really come in contact with their, with their child. And nowadays it's like, now it's like to be a part of the child's life is so different. And I think fathers today are, slowly embracing that but there's still kind of like that old school mentality where it's just like no that's 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 the wife's job they they take care of the child but then you know you have like fathers like me and you who are like no that's our job like we i, I want to take care of my child i yeah. want to be there in my child's life i have this crazy idea people many people tell me i'm crazy but i would love to have four kids right now we have three and I, what I really love about the fourth <laughs> one, <laughs> yeah, I, there are eight, five, and four right now. All right, no, oh eight, uh, going on six, so almost eight, six years old, but eight, five, and uh, four. And yeah. that fourth one, like my biggest thing is like, I just want to be there for all of it. Like yeah. I regret not being able to be there. And each kid, I was more and more present, but like this one, I just want to be there. Like, I don't want to have to choose work and a little bit about my backstory that in January I went to work one day and had my position eliminated within the first hour at work after eight oh. years. So Jeez. after all of that time invested and in having it yanked out, like I'm done trading time and money for memories with my kids. Like that transaction doesn't compute yeah. anymore. And that's why I'm yes. doing the dadpreneur route. Like it's going to be a little bit harder. It's going to be a little bit slower, but man, 20 years from now, I'm never going to regret this summer with my kids even if I have to get a job or whatever the road like leads, I'm so proud of myself for leaning into 
creating many memories and not stressing out and just kind of being dad and so many different levels. I mean, like some days we're going for bike rides three times. We're outside playing, we're outside just doing different things and going to different places. Like I'm going to love every minute of that. And for me, it was actually kind of, I, I went into the pressure cooker with this idea. So last year, my wife went to China for the first time going to China and me also Whoa. being alone. Yeah. So they yeah. did a teacher exchange. So she's a kindergarten teacher and they did a teacher exchange where they went over there and they got to observe Chinese classrooms and how they teach and they got to teach a Chinese lesson. Well, that was the longest stretch that I'd ever been a dad by myself. <laughs> longest had been like maybe a day and I don't ever fully remember it. It was actually that spring, she had gone on a four day vacation to Florida for spring break with a few other teachers. So that was four days that I was on my own, but this was 10 days. And I was like, this is going to be a lot. And so I, as my insurance policy, I took vacation. So I only had to be dad, which was still stressful enough. And yeah. by like day four, I was blogging it about it on my Facebook profile every night. I would just write about how beat down I was or about some <laughs> magical moment or what, like all the, everybody was getting a good laugh at my expense. It, by, so she left on Friday and by like Tuesday, I was just beat. Like I was dead. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I feel like I woke up with like a hangover every morning, even though I wasn't drinking each night <laughs> and I had to do it all over again. But by Wednesday, I was like really hitting a stride. And by Friday, I was like, I got this. And I was actually rereading a lot of those posts just a couple of weeks ago and thinking back to like what I was actually doing. And I probably had a hangover of that memory going after going back to work, I was like, God, I just want those 10 days back. I just want those 10 days back. And that really kind of just like lit this little burner inside me that kind of was a small Kindle and I just kept chipping away at it. And then once I lost my job, it was time to fire it up and roar it. And then COVID happened. Like to me, that's like as best as God. Oh, family stays here. We're all <laughs> together all day. It's been driving my wife a little bit nuts. But for me, I was like, this is it. This is what I want. I want my kids all around me. And it was perfect. We get up, we do different things. I was part of their education. Like that's about as good as I could ask for. Yeah. COVID was the excuse. Hey, you know what COVID? Yeah. I get to be with my kids. Hey, oh man, shucks. You know? Yeah, exactly. No. Like I, I've like the last <laughs> six months has been some of the best, as long as they don't die from COVID, COVID will have made my life a better place. I'm really glad you said all that. That inspires me. You know, I can't wait till I have every day that I can with my kid. You know, maybe one day we'll have more. I don't know, three. That's who ah, you can do it. Once you, if you're going to be a stay at home dad, it, you just got to get the training wheels a little bit. And that first one's intimidating. Once the first one gets to like two or three, then you're, you're almost automatically probably going to have two. But some of the, the, the real problem that you're going to run into is I'm going to foreshadow a little bit. You've okay. got one now. You're going to think, you know what? We got this. I think we can do two. And then she's going to get pregnant. And then you're going to be like, what the hell were we thinking? Like, she's going to say it. You're going to say it. Like, this was not a good idea. The baby's going to come out and she's like, how did we think this was a good idea? Like, we lost our sleep again. Then it's all going to go away. And what you realize is all the systems that you created for one baby fail for two. So you have to like rebuild the entire <laughs> operating system from the ground up of like all the different routines you have. Like, it all craps out. The good yeah. part is three all the systems for two carry over to three. And the first child you had actually starts to help with the third one. Like it's actually almost like an <laughs> entertainment machine a little bit where they, you put them on the floor and the, the first one will like play with it. Especially if it's like four. I think my daughter was four when we had our third child. And like now if we were to have four, I mean, all kids are, all the kids are pretty much the point where they're wiping their own butt. So they can all help take care of the baby. <laughs> and they're actually asking for another baby. So, I mean, they're going to be able to help. So by four, it's not as crazy as even one sounded. But really, yeah. it's that one yeah. to two. That one to two is the hardest jump, but you don't actually know it. And you're going mm -hmm. to lie to yourself to think that you can have two. It's worth having two. So I don't want to talk you out of it. Just you want to go in with your eyes wide open that all the confidence you have from one blows up when you have two. And you're like, what the hell? We got two diapers to change. I got two kids to feed. Like, how is this a good idea? And yeah, lots of yeah. you did this to me. No, I mean, we would love to have two. I mean, we would. Yeah, absolutely love to have two. I mean, I would love to have a daughter. You know, I have a son right now. So to have a daughter would be like the biggest blessing ever. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what life takes us and uh, go from there. You know, if, something if cool you can do eight, maybe before the drill field is actually arrange for like your wife to go on a girl's trip for like three or four days. And you maybe take some leave before getting uh, caught up in the drill field schedule and just yeah. let her go off and have a girl's weekend and you'd be dead and kind of get a good taste of it 
of it, but then also like fall in love with it and like making sure that you create those memories of like what you really want. Cause for me, I can tell you, I did this a lot that I romanticized about the idea and I kept trying in my head, but then my actions weren't always aligned to put myself in the place of being a stay at home dad. And so I really had to stop lying to myself and actually switch to the doing. And so getting more comfortable and my wife, she does volleyball. She does, she's even going for a girl's weekend in a couple of weeks up North with some girlfriends. And so like those moments, like creating them and then just kind of getting used to this idea, but then you get, you get those anchor memories, like that 10 days for me, those are huge anchor memories. And I'm going to remember those like it was yesterday when I'm 50 and cr- yeah. you can create those core little memories now, even with your 11 month old and just yeah. create a little bit, an intimate dad space that is completely different when your wife's not around that like, it's just you and him. And it's, it has oh. a different feeling when it's just on you. It does because you know what, when, uh, when I actually force my wife out of the house, you know, just to get away from a little bit, you know, for a little bit. And, you know, me and me and him will go up to uh, the man cave that I have and we'll just play around. And I'm like, you know what? I can't wait till you're older so we can enjoy this man cave like men should and all this <laughs> other stuff. So, you know, like I, I, th- those memories are starting now. And when he's older, I'm going to tell him, you know, when you were 11 months old, you were hanging out at my bar in my man cave. <laughs> yeah. You were drinking a, a sippy cup and a, a, or a bottle of milk and I was drinking a cup of whiskey. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, those, those are starting right now. So. Or you could actually joke, you should be, it could be a funny post where he has apple juice and you have a bourbon and they're both lightly colored or. Yeah. That, that dark color. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sharing a, uh, a drink as men. Yes. Yes. I can't wait. I can't wait for all that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be awesome. So let's go back where it's a little bit in your story. What got you to join the military? There was a couple different reasons why I obviously joined later in life. I didn't join right after high school. I joined when I was 23. You know, I've, I've always been a Patriot and everything like, but I think what really drove me to, join the military as I was having some rough times, you know, I couldn't even afford a, you know, 89 cent can of soda, you know, out of the soda machine. And I was finally like, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna join the military. And I will never, I will never be in that kind of situation ever again. Did you have any history of service in your family? Yes. And no, uh, my father was from, he was born and raised in Sicily. So the only military service I had was uh, my grandfather, but he served in the Italian army during World War II. It wasn't for, I'm first generation here. So uh, he fought under the uh, Mussolini and all of them. Yeah, I bet there were some interesting stories to share over the, the dinner table. Yeah, he used to he used to tell me when I was little about all the the dog fights that he used to like see between the Americans and the Italian aircraft and all that other stuff. So, you know, I'm kind of the first one to serve in the American army. I'm really proud of that, and I hope that you know my son grows up and sees that, and hopefully follows the same footsteps, maybe the Air Force and not the Army or hopefully the army or the air force, but there's nothing wrong with the Marine Corps. You can always give an upgrade to it. You know, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you a different question. What do you feel like, what programming did you have wrong that led you to the point that you needed the army? Like how had you been living your life up to that point that you felt like you needed to reboot? Uh, structure. I needed a needed structure. Uh, I, you know, I hung around with the, the wrong kind of crowd of people. Did you try to go to school? Nope never attempted to. I'm not a college person and I'm not afraid to admit that. I'm not a person who, you know, does well in school. The military is just, I feel, I always felt like it was just some, something for me because you, you don't really, yeah, as an enlisted soldier, you don't really need college to advance in life. Like you just need like your heart and what you yourself can offer without a piece of paper you know, so your heart, your mind and your back. Yeah, exactly. When you were trying to find that structure, what advice would you have wanted to send yourself back to? Cause I'm trying to understand, like, as you were maybe a teenager going into your twenties, what wasn't there in your life that maybe 
you wish your dad or someone would have given you in those early teenage years that would have helped you had a more rigid or more structured life to leading up to maybe the choice to go in the army, whether you needed it or not, even. Well, you know, I don't want to get sound depressing or anything like that, but um, my father passed away when I was 13. So I didn't really have that influence from him who wished he had joined the military. So he kind of maybe went on autopilot. Yeah, I kind of did for a while. And then before I knew it, I was just like, well, what am I doing with my life? You know, did you feel like maybe country. you were staying 13 in your mind? Kind of, yeah, almost. Like I never really grew up or anything Let like that. Let go of that whole chapter of your early life there? Yeah, and you know, when he when he passed away, like I maybe never grew up, but I always knew I wanted to be a father. And it got to a point where I was just like, if I have a kid right now, I'm not going to survive. I can't even take care of myself. Mm-hmm. So I was just kind of like, well, let me get my butt into gear and, you know, do something about that. So is there a piece of advice you'd put on a sticky note? If you could put it back there for Ian to find when you say, let's say 20 years old, I would say, do it, (laughs) do it. I like it. Do it. (laughs) I actually have a, a, a piece of paper that's, or a label maker at the top of my screen monitor that says suspend the need to know how. Because for so long, I, even, even today, I would say I'm still not passive. It's a battle I face every day, but I overthink everything to the point where if I don't know how I don't do, and then I switch to this, well, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. And the worst part in 2020 is most people don't call each other out for trying. If anything, they actually probably get a little sympathy and they're like, well, at least you're trying or I've also, you could also frame it that you're, if you're trying to go to the gym in the morning, maybe you get there, but don't do a great workout. Well, you're still running laps around the person still in bed. That trying isn't going to get you the result, even though you're trying and like getting from that trying to doing even the stay at home dad part. There's just the, the same thing was happening there. Like a lot of times I was trying to be a stay at home dad, but I wasn't really doing it. And I was missing some of the core things, but I was kind of sitting in my own misery of my own a little bit yeah, as I was I mean, processing like, the the loss of my job and kind of the whole rewiring of my life. There was a lot of that, like, as long as I'm trying, I'm okay. And I'm, I don't really have to push the limits, but that's not going to fucking get us where we want to go. No, absolutely. No. I mean, I mean, you can either try to be a father or you can actually be a father. There's a difference between the two. And, you know, for, for guys like us, we're, we are fathers and trying to be one isn't going to cut it. And that's kind of like, it's kind of like a lot of things in life, you know, you either going to try at it or you're going to just do it. So kind of like going into the drill field. Yes, absolutely. There is no try in the drill field. <laughs> no, absolutely. Not. Either I'm going to train future soldiers or I'm just going to fail miserably at them. Yeah. Is there a piece of advice that you remember from your dad that you often look, reflect back on that's something you still use every day? It's not necessarily a piece of advice. It's, it's the way he was. He was an awesome father. And I always remember when other kids would come over to my house, they loved it because of my dad. And it's because my dad was always, he was always involved in whatever we do and whether it was, you know, s- snowball fights in the backyard or, you know, whatever it was. And I never really realized it, but he was an awesome dad because he was so involved. And I guess just from seeing and growing up with that has just made me into the dad that I always wanted to be. He gave you the uh, blueprint. He kind of gave me the blueprint, yeah. He, um, what did he, he do for a living? He was he worked for Raytheon. He was like in top secret where he did something for the Patriot missile. I don't know exactly what he did. It was enough to allow him to be a stay-at-home dad, or not be a stay-at-home dad, but be a good dad, not get overwhelmed with whatever he was working on. Yeah, and you know, he might have worked long hours, but he always came home and was just like, what's up, bud? And I was like, hey, dad, you know, hey. And mm-hmm. he would always give me the biggest hug. And I don't know, he was just, it was just the love that was there. And when he passed away, I never felt like he didn't love me or anything like that. And I can truly say that that lives on through me, through my son. 
I just want to point out that while you didn't think you were podcast guest material, I would say you are perfect military veteran dad podcast material. <laughs> and there's two major things that you're talking to there is one, the legacy of fatherhood. So at the bottom of my logo, I've added our family as our legacy, because that is the biggest thing that I've realized as doing this podcast and interviewing dads. It wasn't something I was even aware of. It wasn't even something I knew of until like episode 25, that this idea of legacy or even put thought to it. I never even put thought to it. But once I put thought to it, it made perfect sense that so many military dads get stuck on the legacy of their, our service. Like, why did my friend die and I lived? What did that mean? Mm-hmm. What did it mean for us to go to Iraq three times? All of these yeah. horrible questions that have no actual answer that does anything to answer and make you sleep at night. But yeah. if you focus on family, like your family is the next, like I always say for someone that lost someone over there, like your friend died so you could go home and be the best fucking dad you could be. Like yeah, if you aren't being yeah. the best dad, like you are doing him a disservice. That's how you need to show up every day. Because if he was a dad, like he doesn't get to hug his kids and his kids don't get to hug him, but you do like, you can't be yeah. a neutral. You've got to be dad. No. Yeah. And I, I really want to explain that to my son, you know, the army is very, you know, demanding so many people miss birthdays or whatever. I want to explain to my son that, you know what? We do that so other fathers and sons don't have to experience what we do. We, we mm-hmm. make that sacrifice so they don't have to. And I really want him to understand that, that there's something bigger that he's a part of that he may not understand now, but he will later on. Especially as he grows up because he's going to be a military kid. So he's going to have to, he's going to have to see you say goodbye or he's going to have to see you go. And like, he's going to carry a little bit of that burden and helping him understand like, what does that mean to carry it? What does that mean to be almost a little bit of a servant leader, like looking out for his house? If he's, he's going to be the man of the house when you're gone, like, what does Mm -hmm. that mean? Like that conversation, I believe helps, especially a boy grow and identify with the things that men should be thinking about, worried about, and like, looking out for others. Like that's something that I, I like about what you said there. Yeah. That, I mean, he's absolutely those military kids are going to be, they can be someone that really understands how to change the world, but you really have to give them the wisdom to help them understand how they fit into it. Yeah. And you know, it, it may not be anything that you say or what you do, you know, when, when he sees me, you know, go away for like a year, you know, it, it may just like click into his head. All right. I'm the man now. And you know, that, that, hopefully that carries on to, you know, when he grows up and goes into his marriage, he can look back and say, you know what, I had to do this, this, and that. I'm going to be the father that my father was to me. Mm -hmm. You hit it already there as well with the way you talked about your dad and what he gave you as a blueprint that your dad's never going to be forgotten as long as how you live as a father continues to shape fatherhood in your family in the future. And maybe you're, if his dad didn't have the, like, maybe if it, like he started a new chain, let's say, and this was like a new chain of being a good dad in your family, like his name will be the person that started this whole new branch of what it meant to have a family and be a dad and what that meant to lead your family. Like that's mm-hmm. the legacy. And I wrote a blog post a couple, I think like two years ago now, a veteran is only forgotten when no one repeats his name. And it kind of came from the movie Coco, which is probably still too early yet for 11 months. Oh, now, that was awesome. Yeah. Such an awesome movie. Yeah. It's the day of the dead yes. celebration of remembering like that I was watching and I was like, poof, it hit me like right in my, I got to write a blog post. Oh, it hit me awesome. like, Veterans are only forgotten when our legacy stops getting repeated, our, our name stops yeah. getting forgotten, whatever we created. And our family, our kids are the best chance we have to truly make that dent. And your father started something, even though his work ended at 13, he probably even ignited it even further because he, he created, he forms your heart in a way that allowed you to get excited about fatherhood, but then also mm-hmm. with the pure responsibility that like it's on me to kind of keep it going because yeah, absolutely. He, he did leave your life early. You know, it's so sad that, you know, my son will never meet him, but he will, he, he will meet him through my memories. Yeah. Your stories. And like, as my long story. as he knows who he was, like, that's what matters. Yeah, exactly. You know, he was a, he was a proud Sicilian, you know, he, he made sure, you know, that I knew that I was Sicilian and all this other stuff. So I'm going to make sure that my son knows that he's Sicilian and proud of it and all this other stuff. And you know, my late, my name lives on through my son, my last name, you know, it was, it was really up to me 
for my last my last name to move on and now now it will through my son that's when this colloidism hit me, but it hit me maybe a couple months ago that what we do on this earth is important, but what we leave behind is 10 times important. And I think that's what your dad do. And that's what he's already implanted in you as you become a father. And you're already picking up the blueprint. Like you already got your 10 year plan for when you want to be a stay at home dad. And if you can create more of those memories before 10 years, like it's just going to drive you that much more. And Unlike me, when I pulled the plug at tip for those 10 days, you won't be trying to ride your bike for the first time. You'll already be worked up and like, hopefully maybe you've done a week or maybe you've done two weeks and your wife has gone away for two weeks somewhere. Hopefully you've got a little training wheels on before you pull the plug at 10 years and you're already like, I got this. And, and you know already what? You know, limited it more. It's just like any training exercise in the military. You just got to dive right into it and see what happens. You know, even if my wife goes away for 10 days, you know, I know I'll be fine. I've gone, you know, six, seven days without sleeping, without eating and all this other stuff. So what's, let's dive into why the drill field? I was DA selected for it. So you just kind of like got lucky, unlucky, depending on <laughs> um, how you took the you news. Know, I, you can say that. I mean, I wanted to be a recruiter. My broading assignment orders came down and they were like, you're going to be a drill sergeant. And I was like, okay, just like everything else in the army. Yep. We do what they say. <laughs> yeah. So I'm interested because I've interviewed a couple of drill instructors and a couple of kids that had mom and dads that were or a dad that was a drill instructor. Do you have any idea how you're going to handle the change in emotional structure of coming home and going into that work environment? Because there's so at the, there's such a dichotomy of what it takes to emotionally be a drill instructor, but then emotionally come home and be a dad it's almost like a 300 amp circuit breaker versus a light switch that you're switching almost. I feel like. Yeah, it it is. um, And I'm sure the army doesn't train you on how to be a drill instructor slash dad. No, you probably have to figure out on your own. I think I have the advantage of just keeping work and family separate. Whereas, you know what, if I'm angry, I can just take it out on the privates and just come home happy. And that's, the way that it's just going to have to be, you know, when I go into work, I'm going to be a drill sergeant. And when I come home, I'm going to be my happy father like figure. And there's just no question about it. There's no, there's no, there's going to be no excuse for why I'm not. Definitely keep your eyes open on it because I think it's probably the biggest struggle. I think it's also a test of the patience. I think the patience is because the patience is almost like a gas tank. Like it is. When, when it's empty, it's empty and you just can't turn a light switch and fill it back up. And that patience is what it takes to really, especially at those early ages, they just, they need an uber amount of patience. And when you come home empty from like, maybe the, the recruits emptied it out because they were just being idiots and you had to like, PTM more than normal. And then you got a kid that doesn't listen and you're like, God, I just had 80 recruits not listen all day. Why can't you listen like that? That emotion can be one that messes up with you. But I see, I can see the difference in between them because the recruits, they're there for a short time. Whereas my son's going to be here forever for me. And when I walk in, you know, after a long 18 hour day, and my son comes running up to me, screaming, Daddy, just going to melt in his arms. And that's just going to make whatever yeah. happened that day disappear. Yeah. The mindset, like, I always kind of came in with the door, and it was always validated every day with the kids running through the door. It doesn't happen as much now without having a job, but I was purposely always getting him off the bus and on the bus, and like that hug, like that was absolutely amazing. But you realize quickly that like once you walk through the door, no matter what happens, you're still their hero. Like they don't care. They don't even know. And in your eyes, you're still the biggest idea of what it, it means to be a person. Like they're always looking oh. up to you and they're always excited. And I can be gone for five minutes and my son's had a couple days. Like, so he's five and almost six. So he's a little bit on the edge of doing different things for different reasons. And I come home for like, I've been gone for like an hour getting groceries or something. And then he'll just be on me, like stink on shit. Like everything he's doing, I'm doing, he's got to be right behind me. And those moments are the ones where I really love (laughs) having the patience because if I can have the patience, it like, all he does is want to learn what I'm doing. Like the night I was teaching him how to cut up a watermelon and he absolutely loves watermelon. It's those little micro moments that if you can keep the patience that you can really create something that allows you to fuel yourself forward. But if you don't have the patience, you won't have, won't be able to have them happen. And you'll just get annoyed and yell and shut down or maybe 
try to ignore them for the rest of the night. So I commend you for the mindset and being the awareness, because I would say you're not the average military dad that goes home with the awareness of what the emotions had that day. And just allow them to to switch to a different mode. Like most of us stay in that same mode without ever realizing there is a mode. No, because, you know, most, you know, military people, unfortunately, it is a problem, but they go home after the day's work and they drink or they separate, they separate from their family just to escape that stress. And I just can't picture myself doing that at all. And if you're really going to seriously be a dad in the military life, like you need to be 100 committed to your family and not turn to the bottle, but turn to your family instead after Mm -hmm. those rough days. And, you know, I 100%, the moment when my son calls my name, you know, it's just whatever happened that day, I can just honestly say that it's just going to disappear. And I'm just not going to think about it for the rest of the day or Mm -hmm. night or whenever I come home. I just know for a fact that's how I'm going to be. To be a military dad, you really need to love your children. And it sounds funny to say it that way, but that's often, and I think what you're hinting there is the love part, but on the other side of love is the fear part. And because of military men don't process a lot of their emotions, they fear what they feel. Their mm-hmm. kids are unbottled, untethered, swimming around tornadoes of emotions. And it makes them fearful of their own emotions and they push back instead of leaning in with love. But you, yeah. really, you re- don't realize is that that love can actually counteract your fear and be an anchoring point. Like if you feel like you're just lost on the ocean, your kids can be like a boat anchor that allows everything else to be steady again. And yeah, it's absolutely. just, it's like a pure endless love tank where you can go and get a hug and just feel loved. Even though you may not feel like you deserve it, your kids will always give it like you do. Yeah. And, you know, I think the only thing that I fear is not being there enough for my son. I feel the same way as as like, especially when I did have a job, I was always just this constant, like, God, I wish I was there. God, I wish I was there. And now I am. So it's, it's, it's kind of come true for me. I think that's the only thing that we should fear is that we weren't there enough for them. Obviously, you know, as men in the military and women in military spouses and everything like that, we make a sacrifice and, but when we don't have to make that sacrifice, we need to be there 100% for our family and everything. What about when it, and, and the other part that I want to hit on before we move on to one more topic is mm-hmm. that when you become the military dad, what you don't realize, and I think most men don't because we're taught to provide. And so we connect everything to our life to the provision of what we think we need to do. Every commitment in your life has an end date the army, the military, your job, some point, even a dad, even a dad has an end date. Like at some point they're going to go off and you'll just be colleagues. You won't actually, they won't actually need you in the same way as they did before. But the one to your wife is the one that goes until you go eight feet under. And most people don't prioritize their life in a way that honors that like, no matter what happens in the military, my wife has been a commitment that I said to the end of my life. And our, even, it, I mean, it needs to be more important than even your kids because your kids are going to betray you and they're always going to be there and they're always going to love you. But your wife, that relationship, there are so many times when you get that out of order, like you think you need to prioritize the kids and then they turn 20 and they move out of the house and then you look at each other and like, I really don't know who you are because you spend so much time looking and focusing on the kids and then everything explodes and you've got to start over again at 20 years into your marriage. Like, It needs to be the number one priority. And the hardest part, and I feel like it's almost, it's a duality. The military service is noble and it's worthy, but it's also an excuse that this is more important than me doing something for you right now. And I think there's a lot of men that hide behind that, especially like you can hide behind, oh, I got to work late at the office if you're in the corporate world. But often you can really call that BS. But in the military, you could even stretch it further. Like my command said, I got to be here. And whether it's true or not, doesn't matter. You've used it and you, that's what she's going to believe. But whether like, you're never going to get called out for doing that in the military generally, because everybody just thinks you're doing it for the right reasons. But that reason is what's going to slowly withdraw. We were talking about taking your time, like a credit card, like it's just going to keep borrowing time from your, your marriage. And with interest, Mm -hmm. it's going to eventually go bankrupt and it's going to max out and your board's going to explode. And you're like, how did we get here? Well, started when you said your command needs you to work late nights this week. 
And, you know, I'm thankful that, you know, my wife understands exactly, you know, it's, it's the army first, then everything else. Unfortunately, it is like that. But you know what? My wife understands that. The army can have that mindset, but your mindset with it and just making sure that she always knows that she's still number one. I honestly believe that she knows that she's, you know, number one. She knows that I have a duty. It's what I signed my my name on the dotted line for. And, you know, I'm, I am 100% willing to sacrifice my life for the greater good of this country. My son and my wife not, may not realize it. You know, I may die tomorrow. They will live on. And because of my sacrifice, they will live in a peaceful, harmless, you know, safe world because of it. You know, I thank my wife every single day for the sacrifice that she makes for me making my sacrifice to my country. And that's, that's really what the, you know, the military spouse is, is they are, if you're not going to be, you have to be as committed to the army as you are your military spouse. It's a sacrifice that could never be repaid. Honestly, it's been hard for me to have my wife give up her career for mine as many you know military spouses have you know she makes that sacrifice and the best thing that i can do for her is when i am home that i am 100 percent committed to her and you know supportive of whatever decision she makes whether she's upset at a job and she's like i can't do this i want to quit you know what I got you. I got your back. I got your six like you got mine. I just don't understand how so many men in the military, they're so easy and quick to divorce, you know, as they do. They they just don't even want to, they just don't want to even commit the time to make everything better. You know, you, you can't do that in the army. Why do that in your marriage? And it's almost difficult because the army is that nice, warm place that you can hang out without a lot of negative consequences. Like you can mess your life up pretty bad and still have four squares or three squares a day and a roof over your head, even if you did get divorced. So it's almost like you have that safe place to run back to and it makes it easier maybe to get divorced versus like blowing Mm -hmm. your life up if you're on the outside and you have to completely rewire your life and income and all these different things to make things work. I don't know why the, it's, it's frustrating every time I, I see a divorce or the ones that really kill me is when the dad doesn't feel that he's his, his family, he's a burden to his family and they take his own life. Those, those eat me up because like in in your case, like if your dad would have killed himself at 13 versus just passing away, the most common Mm -hmm. thing that I've discovered interviewing other people is what they get stuck on is they don't know why they they're like their dad didn't love them enough to stay. Like, what was it about me that was so bad that you couldn't stay around? And that Mm -hmm. feeling and scar never heals. Many dads think they're they're earning the pain either maybe through divorce, like they just feel like they need to get out of their family's lives, or they think they're doing the kids a favor by maybe killing themselves. But all they do is pass that pain on and that darkness in a way that their kids never understand it. And through years of therapy later, they're going to figure out why that it was connected to how their their father removed that idea of love from them without their permission, Mm -hmm. kind of. Absolutely. And I don't want to pass that on to my son at all. But on the other hand, when your case, like the way your dad did live and the way you're living as well, even if you died tomorrow, you already have this legacy of blueprint that your wife understands what kind of father you were, what kind of father you wanted to be. And the things that you did, there was a Ashley Buggy, I interviewed her last summer on the podcast. Her husband died on a scuba diving accident or a recreational scuba diving accident in Hawaii. He was a Navy yes. diver. And he lived life without a bucket list. The PCS to Hawaii, five guys in San Diego got on a sailboat and PCS to Hawaii on a sailboat. And so like, that's the kind of mindset he was like, he did it without a bucket list. Like if you want to do it, he just did it. And we were talking on the podcast that like, and she was six months pregnant with the baby and she had two kids already. That was like the oldest was four when he passed away. So I mean, if you can imagine the emotional burden of trying to continue on your life, but like when we were talking, like he, he left a blueprint for his kids to follow. Like mm-hmm. if he ever wants to, if kids ever want to know what, what would dad do in this moment? All they got to do is something adventurous and they'll probably feel like dad's with them. Yeah. Because absolutely. when you, when you live your life in a way that your kids can understand, like I was going, we've been going on long bike rides, like eight miles to the local gas station to get some Slurpees and, and milkshakes for just a bike ride with my oldest daughter. And she's talking about like why I do this and different things. And I'm like, well, at some point, if I were to die next week, 
you're probably going to go on a long bike ride and maybe think about dad and wonder what dad was doing or what, what would dad do in some yes. future life if I wasn't here. Like, yes. So these are memories that you're going to create. And so your kid's a little bit too young to have those anchor memories, but it, no matter what point you live your life, like all these little intentional time that you take with your kids, all of those little moments are memories that your kids will use to connect to you in a way that you'll never understand until the future happens. But those oh, intentional yes. memories happen. And like, once you allow them to get to know you, like, that's going to fuel you or fuel them well beyond your time on this earth. And that's yeah, what matters and it, is when you make those intentional it, deposits. Absolutely. I absolutely 100% you know, agree with that because, you know, I, I find myself doing the same things that my dad did and said to me, like, tell my son, what's the matter with you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he, my, I remember my dad used to say that to me and it just came out instinctively how I talk to him and I'm just talk like, about never being forgotten. About? Like that's probably, yeah. gonna, it's going to be a curse that keeps passed on for, from generation to generation. And it's just like, I don't even know where some of this stuff comes from, but then like, I remember back and I'm like, you know what? He used to say that to me and now I'm saying it back to him. I just, it, it's crazy the way that like, you know, when you have a good father, it just passes on like that. And, you know, even, you know, my grandfather, I take the grant, you know, the, the grandson and grandfather relationship really seriously because my grandfather took over as that father figure when my dad passed away. And even like the same thing with him, like he just, the things he used to do with me, I'm still doing with my son. I think it's wonderful the way that I'm so blessed that I had such a good family and I know my son's going to have a good family too. And that just, you know, it swells the heart with joy. Mm -hmm. it does for me as well and i'll give you a very good reason to try for a girl on the second one or you don't try for a girl but a reason to try for a second one and hope for a girl is a better way to say it is yes. if you flip everything you've been talking about for your son to your daughter you're actually the person that she goes out to find that yes. how you live your life is how she's going to measure every man against and i joke that the dad with a shotgun at the door is the dad that set the bar very low and he's extremely yes. worried who his daughter compares him to and tries to find. Yeah. So if you lived your life exceptionally at a high level and asked a lot of other people, treated your wife well, like your daughter is naturally going to natively look for those things and qualities. And she's going to reject anybody that doesn't measure up to my dad. Because yeah. to your son, you're, her, you're his first hero. But to your daughter, you're your first love. And so if, like, if yeah. you take everything that you are as a dad and just how you communicate with your wife, you lead your family – these are things that is going to change her and shape how she sees herself and the world. And you're going to create yeah. a woman that goes out in the world with the hope and audacity to think that you can change it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I honestly wanted a daughter. I did, but you know, I'm blessed with the son. I'm so proud of my son. I, I really am. You know, if we were to have another one, I would definitely want it to be a girl and yeah, I would just, God, I would just love her to death. How many brothers and sisters did you have? I have one sister. I can already, like, I, I, I'm, I don't know whether this is going to make it true or not for you, but I could see, like, if you kept trying for a girl and you got to three and you ended up with three boys, and you'd probably end up with three boys, probably, like, short of, like, seven years of getting out. Like, I can't imagine the adventures that you would go on with three boys as a stay-at-home dad. Like, that would be some of the most epic adventures that you could probably do because they would all be at that age where they just love adventure, getting dirty, playing in the mud. Like, that would be it's just as in heaven as if you did have a girl because you would be completely alive in your heart in those moments as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, like, I can't wait till he gets a little bit older. I promise you got to wait till like three or four between the, before they really start to do fun boy things. I mean, like, there's yeah. fun things they need to do younger, but they won't really be good at throwing a baseball or doing that stuff. Or even my son's really now kind of hitting his heyday with riding a bike and doing that stuff. Like, I've really enjoyed mm -hmm. the bike season and being able to have them all off training wheels and not have to worry about a stroller or different crap like that or... No, I just can't wait to play with the toys, you know, like, I'll be like, I'll buy toys. And I'll be like, yeah, this is for Roman, but it's really for me, you know, Legos. I do, I do a lot of yeah. Legos with my son or tractors, trains, trains is one of my favorite, just doing the uh, Thomas the Train type stuff. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait for that. I've, I've never, I've never, you know, not wanted to play with toys, but you know, it's kind of a weird, you know, as an adult. 
Yeah. So and the coolest part like is my, you can take your imagination and when you enter their imagination, like, and just kind of be in it, like that's awesome. Yeah. Like I, I remember there was, uh, I was calling our walks and adventure last year. And so we would go over a gravel road and I'd be like, we're going to go over the land or the big road of small rocks and <laughs> calling these big grandiose things. And I remember <laughs> looking off in the distance and there was a caterpillar excavator and I was yeah. like, Hey Dylan, look, there's a cat in the wild. And he got a big kick out of it because he's like, where, where, where? And I'm like, look, it says cat right there on the side of the excavator. And like just being alive in that memory and moment, like that was just fun expanding it, making something special out of just an excavator being parked in a lot. Oh, yeah. You know, my father used to like sit beside me and we used to draw together. And, you know, I became the artist that I am today because of him. And I can't wait till we sit beside my son and we draw or build Legos and he gets to create and I get to influence him on what he's creating and give him different ideas. I've definitely biased my son with his Lego building for planes. I'm a huge airplane nerd and I'm always (laughs) building like, and I'm a Star Trek fan. So I'm always building like these spaceships with anti-gravity and weapon systems and all this different crazy stuff that go. Oh yes. I love taking that all in there and he's always building. He's definitely gotten better at building airplanes all on his own too. Awesome. I bet he's creating stuff and you're just like, where did you come up with that? Yeah. Like sometimes it's like, that's pretty good, Dylan. And you did a really good job. Yeah. Yeah. No, like I can't wait to like sit beside him and watch Lord of the Rings. And he comes up with his own fantasy adventure. And I'm just like, you know, take me along. Tell me what to do. You know, I'll play along with you. You know, I don't know. You know what odd memory that you probably would enjoy a little bit. Maybe even has some, I'd be funny if it connects with you is I was always a MacGyver fan. So I bought all the seasons of MacGyver in Okinawa when I was there. And so I had all seven seasons. And then by now they were all on streaming services over the last few years. So one of my, my son's favorite thing, he was always the early riser in the family. So he'd wake up and he'd come get me up. So we'd go downstairs and we would just watch MacGyver in the morning. Like that was honestly <laughs> the one thing that he would always want. And we, I just loved, like, I, I love MacGyver and I love that he loves MacGyver and we're just sharing in it. And he would ask all these different questions about is MacGyver good or is MacGyver bad or why is MacGyver doing that? (laughs) But like, I honestly believe my brain is, I think like MacGyver a lot. And I believe it's because I've watched MacGyver and it just kind of helped me understand how to make my brain more effective. And just like sharing that memory of MacGyver with him. I mean, he was Mm -hmm. only like four and five. So I mean, like he's not old enough to really understand what MacGyver is about, but I love sharing that something that I love with him. And that's something that he still enjoys of like, Hey dad, can we watch MacGyver in the morning? And he's, it like we've been doing it probably for three years now. When my first, when he was first born, born, I used to like rock him to sleep. We used to watch Ancient Aliens together. And That's the History Channel we, one, right? Yes, it is about like you know the gods and everything and yep. how they believe that they came down and stuff. But I really hope we still do it now. We still watch Ancient Aliens together. I really hope that, you know, when we're older, we're still watching that together. And it's kind of just like, even if he moves away, he's just like, hey, dad, you know, we're, I'm watching Ancient Aliens. Are you? Let's talk about it for a half hour. I, I really hope that's the kind of connection that me and him have. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how you and MacGyver have with your son. Yeah. It, and that just happens in the morning. And it can, I could easily do something different that moment. But it's another one of those classics, like you just kind of lean into those moments when they happen because mm-hmm. they could be, it could be the very last time. You never know when it's the very last time that they're going to need you to do something. And just yeah. like that, it's gone. And you're like, oh, crap. I thought I had a few more at least before I didn't have to pay attention to it. And now it's gone. And now one day I'm not going to need to wipe my daughter's butt. I'm like, Oh man, I want, you know, what would really be good right now if my daughter needed me to wipe her butt. And that sounds funny to say it like that, but <laughs> eventually it just moves on to bigger, bigger problems. And you're like, God, her life was so much easier when she's like, daddy, can you wipe me at the top of her lungs? Like if that was the only problem yeah. she had, it was an easy day. But now she's yeah. got like, Oh, this girl in the playground's all doing things. And there's this boy chasing me. That's what, like the kind of conversation my daughter's already having. It's like, Oh, no. it was so much easier when it was just <laughs> easy problems like playground problems. Those are some of the worst yeah. to deal with. I can't imagine getting past the, this uh, change my diaper stage. It'll come in just like that. It'll be over. And craziest part, it'll be over. Your kid will be maybe like he'll be two running around and getting a little bit autonomous. And then you're like, you know what? I think it's time for another one. And then you reset it and you're like, God, that was a hard reset back to day one. <laughs> yes. It, you just so, so slowly forget how much pain all those memories were. Like subconsciously, your brain just pushes them down. And then you're like, 
God, were we, were we drunk when this happened? Like, we did we think this through? <laughs> I missed well, sleep. Like, I enjoyed getting eight hours of sleep. Yeah, well, you know, when I used to skateboard, like, I would break my arm, and then uh, I would still skateboard, and I'd be like, I wonder why, and it's because you forget that pain. You forget what it felt like. And then when you do it again, you're like, oh, wow, this is why I wanted to stop in the first place. So it's kind of like having a kid where you're just like, you know what? Because even now, like at 11 months, he's he's nowhere close to the same baby he was when he was first mm-hmm. born. Oh, yeah. I'm just, and it goes so oh fast that like six to a year and a half, it goes by so fast. It does. And I'm just like, where did you where did you get that laugh? Where did you get that little personality that you got going on right now? And, you know, before where he was just like kind of just bouncing in his bouncy seat, just watching the baby first channel and now he's standing up and I don't know, doing all sorts of weird stuff. It's pretty entertaining if you ask me. So one of the things that's interesting you reminded me of is my kids started riding bikes at a different ages. So my oldest started riding bikes at maybe like five and a half. My son was like maybe almost five. I feel like he was at the edge of five. He had just turned five when he started running bikes. Well, my youngest daughter, she is in such a damn hurry to catch up in life with the other two. (laughs) So she was determined this year to ride her bike. And so we got her a new bike. We started with the training wheel. She was doing good. And then she's like, daddy, I want to take him off. And I'm like, last time you couldn't even touch the ground. We took him off. I think we need to wait a little bit. And she's like, no, daddy, I'm ready. (laughs) That little girl has been off her training wheels since like the end of May. And she zips wow. around flies and she still cannot touch the ground. So I still have to get her on and off the bike, but she flies wow. around that thing all the time. And I joked with her in the beginning. I was like, Lillian, when did you grow up? And she'd be like, I grew up a long time ago, daddy. Or, and then it kind of morphed. Like, <laughs> Thanks for noticing dad. <laughs> yeah. I like, Lillian, when did you grow up? And she's like, when I was born. Like she just get these very smart ass remarks. And it's just like, man, you're four. You, you really shouldn't have all this vocabulary to make me feel bad about you growing up or anything like that. It's just like, and just like that, she's zipping around and she's so determined to grow up and like, it's light years of like, she's going into pre- uh, preschool this year and like, she's ready to go into oh, kindergarten. Wow. She knows more stuff than my son, actually, honestly, like the, <laughs> the alphabet writing her name, like, my son's still some struggling with that and he's going into first grade. So he's def- she's just got that. My daughter had the same thing. She was naturally just kind of learned all those little basic skills very early mm-hmm. on. And so she's just like, even when we were doing homeschooling, like she would have her Kindle out and she'd listen to her teacher message, even though she has no teacher message and it's just a video from Mickey Mouse. At the end of it, she would be like, <laughs> my teacher told me I needed to color a picture for her. And it's just, and there's no picture message, but she would just imaginatively create this up because her two older brother and sister were always watching a teacher message every day. So she had to watch the, a teacher message in her head with the other kid. Cause she just had to be like them for that entire time. Wow. So, it's crazy. And it's, it's all part of the process and it's absolutely like in those early years, it's all just shaping you to who you get to become as a dad when they grow up and it just gets better and better. And it may seem hard now, but you're being sculpted in a way that you're going to lead your family in a way you're not ready for. But that's almost all why you have to go through that hard times of being a dad in the early years because it, you have to kind of be withered back before you can kind of grow into who you are as a father. I feel like that's, you know, military fathers kind of have an advantage is because we're so used to just going into the unknown and just coming out on top and, you know, having a kid is just no different. We're just, we kind of just learn as we go. And the more we learn, the stronger we are and, even just a sense of adventure. Like we've lived a lot of life as military dads. Like if we can gift even just a small percentage of the wisdom and life depth that we've given, given by traveling the world, like you can create some amazing adults that don't even come close to the other kids, the potential that they have because they don't have that dad that has such a depth to his view. Yeah. And I just, I can't, I I honestly, I just can't wait. Like I just, I just want to, I want him to grow up, but I don't. You know, I want to I want to suck in these moments that we have with him right now. But I want I can't wait until he starts talking and just saying weird stuff where I'm just like, but at the same time, I'm just like, you know what? I'm glad, (laughs) you know, like just those proud moments. I I, I can't wait. You better be careful because it's that look right there. That's going to be the one that gets your wife pregnant again. You're going to come out of this podcast interview and like, honey, I've got the best idea in the world. You're going to think I'm nuts, but I think we can do it. (laughs) (laughs) Let's have another one. Yeah. (laughs) Why not? 
why not? We did one. What's yeah, what's the, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. We figured out the first one. We'll figure out the second one. The second one will be easier. I mean, this this one was hard, so imagine... And you got me in your one. back corner. You got a dad with three kids. You got a podcast where I'm always putting out advice, so you can always check in and see what I'm doing to, to kind of like give you that edge up on not trying to figure it out from the first time. Exactly. I'm like, he's ahead, so we just have to listen to what he's saying, and we'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. And actually, to close it out there, you picked up the power of coaching, like which most military men don't realize is that for millennia, we survived in tribes and we always had people ahead of us and behind us. And even as military men, part of a military unit, we don't synthesize that unit mentality with the wisdom of people higher up in a chain of command into our own life. And we just assume we have to figure it out. But for millennia, we were figuring it out together as a tribe. Yeah. And we're never meant to figure out dad all on our own. Like there was always a dad that was ahead of us and there was always a dad behind us. And there's going to be a dad behind you. And you're like, Hey, you should try this when you got a newborn and you're going to feel like you got some good advice, even though for a guy that has three kids, you're probably like, well, I don't got probably much good advice, but there's always someone else on the other side of that. And you're, I always like to explain it like a barrel of monkeys. You always got one hand up and one hand down in the game of fatherhood. (laughs) That is so true because you know, um, there's a couple guys, they've had babies like a month or two before and after mine. And we're always like, you oh, have you, has your kid did this yet? And are they doing this yet? And we're just, we're just talking about like all the same things. And the fathers were like, I'm a month ahead. I'm like, have they done this yet? And they're like, yeah, is that normal? And I'm like, yeah, of course it is. And then <laughs> I'm asking the fathers ahead of me, is this normal? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, well, that's good. Do I take him to the doctor for this or not? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, he's doing this weird head shake thing. Is that normal? And they're like, yeah, they all do that. I have found that the the willingness to take him to the doctor so quickly is definitely goes down with more kids. You're more like, yeah, it'll go away. (laughs) (laughs) We're like that now. We're just like, you know, and he's fine. He sneezed. That's great. Yeah. We all do it. It's those first like three months where you feel like you could break him. Like that's really where the fragility of the idea. And you're like, I think we should take him. I think, is that a rash? I think we should take him. Yeah, and then they have this like floppy neck thing that goes on, and I'm just like, is it breaking? I don't know. Should we, should we yeah. put a neck brace on him? He has a dent on his head. Is that normal? Yeah, it's flat. I don't know why, and there's no hair growing back there. Yeah. Is that a problem? Is he going bald already? Oh, no. <laughs> Well, Ian, I've absolutely loved this interview and I loved it because we didn't really know where it was going to go, but we went right into the core of the podcast and I, I'm pretty sure you enjoyed the conversation as well because the, you weren't fully sure what you're going to expect. So I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. And if I could only ask one more thing, what's a parting piece of advice that you've learned maybe in your first 11 months as a dad, something you want other dads to remember that your father taught you? What's one thing that you want dads to take away from our conversation today? to absolutely 100% support your wife. It is one thing to be a father. I guess what I'm trying to say is your wife does not need a part-time dad. They need a full-time committed father. And that is what every military father needs to understand is that yes, you have a career, you also have a responsibility to raising your child and your wife needs a break, honestly, because Mm -hmm. they're, they're, you might be on the front lines, but they're behind you taking care of everything and you, you need to support them. Absolutely. That reminds me of some parenting advice that I use with my daughter. So like a lot of parents dismiss their kids problems that they have in their life, whether it be teenagers or my daughter at eight when playground issues, but I always try to approach it like their world is just as real as yours. It's just different perspective. Mm-hmm. And when you dishonor or when you tell them not to feel about a certain way, all you do is suppress whatever they're feeling. And no matter what you're feeling, or you always have to walk into it, like whatever they see in their world, that's their reality. And for you to walk mm-hmm. in and judge it or control it or ignore it even, it just makes them shut down even more. And you need to let them feel what they need to do. And also as men in women's lives, you need to help them through it. Like when you can bring and understand how to own your masculinity, which is something we've talked a lot on the podcast recently, when you understand that you can help 
actually guide your wife through whatever she's feeling because when the feminine energy is out like it's a very untamed energy and the masculine energy is what's designed to help control it and make it feel calm Mm -hmm. you need to be in control of who you are and how you can show up and you need to be fully showed up in your marriage and as a father to really be able to hone that and be able to support your wife through those feelings that she's going to be having Absolutely. I mean, it, it shouldn't be a problem to take your kid for a couple hours to give your wife a break. If, if I can do it for 10 days for three kids, anybody yeah, can do it. Exactly. And it, you know, if that's, if that's a problem for you, then you shouldn't be a father in the first place, honestly. Like you should yeah. want to, you should want to be, yeah. give me him. Like I said, if, if that's a problem for you, then sorry, then you shouldn't be a father in the first place. That speaks to something I always say with kids when they, when they trigger you, that when you're triggered by your kid, that says more about you than it does about them. They just figured out your weakness and how to use it. Ah, yes, that's true. That is very so true. So if you don't feel like being a dad, that says more about you than it does about them. It's not about their behavior. They just don't want yeah. to push your buttons and they're designed mm-hmm. to figure it out. They're human beings and they're going to keep figuring it out. And whatever you feel triggered about, that's some area you haven't explored and there's some thought, some story. Something that makes you very uneasy that you don't talk about at dinner parties. Well, Ian, again, I want to absolutely thank you. This conversation has been awesome. It's been a great way to end the night here. And thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. This is this has been great. This has been a wonderful first time for me on a podcast. And I think Hopefully I created a monster and you're like, I gotta do this more. Oh, I absolutely want to definitely again. And you know, you've been thank you so much for having me. This is this has been amazing. Guys, I hope you enjoyed Ian's story as much as I did. He his passion for fatherhood is so contagious. You just can't help what wanna go out there, hug your kids throw a baseball, and be a better dad. And so some of the takeaways I got out of this episode were reigniting and believing that being a stay-at-home dad is a noble cause. Right out of the gate, I didn't know Ian was going to lead with that, but man, we instantly connected when he talked about being a stay-at-home dad. Reversing the roles in retirement, like that is something that I've talked about quite a bit on the podcast with other military dads and with military spouses, and kind of planting this idea about what if everything were to be flipped on the other side of your retirement that let and honor your wife for the commitment that she gave while you served and then let her go out there and find herself as well. Having more kids to the family, that is something that I'm facing with a struggle right now is my life and in his life as well. And that was a great conversation the way we talked about it. Anchor memories, I love the way he talked about his dad and the way that those core memories helped him lead in to become a better dad right now and how he shows up. Cultivating patience, that's something that I know a lot of dads struggle with. I struggle with. It's one of those that it's not an empty well, but you have to continue to fill it up. The only thing I can suggest there is make sure you always remember that kids spell love, T-I-M-E, and that anytime they're having a behavior, it's almost always rooted in some type of deficit in time. And a lot of that patience is killed when you really, instead of trying to manage the situation, you really need to stop what you're doing, invest some time, or flip it around and say, hey, I'm doing something right now. In 10 minutes, dad can do something with you. And enjoying those micro moments that a lot of those, a lot of life happens in those little mini, mini, mini moments where you don't really expect something magical to happen, but man, that's where the gravy happens. So guys, with that, I again, hope you enjoyed Ian's podcast. Thank you for being a listener. I can't tell you from the bottom of my heart how much it means to me to be a, a podcast host to you guys on this topic and to hear the feedback about how these episodes are making you become a better father. And if you need help out there, please don't hesitate to reach out, ben at militaryveterandad.com. I'm always there. I'm always willing to have a conversation. If it hasn't been apparent on this podcast, I try to keep my life as an open book, and I try to be that friend that I wish I had in my life for someone five years ago that I wish I had in mine. So with that, I will talk to you guys again on Friday, and you guys have a great and epic week.